And we're recording. It's alive, but not live. It's a dead. This is a dead. This is like riff tracks. I feel like this is like what riff is riff tracks? I am not cool enough. Oh my god, Christy, we can't do this right now because this is not an episode, and it's going to take too long. But riff tracks is based. It's like mystery science theater people and they sit there and talk over movies that are really bad and they have like robots and like puppets and stuff and it's hilarious. I love mystery science theater. I've just never heard of Rift Rift Yeah, Tracks. they've done they've worked with Rift Tracks before. I think they're separate entities but they have done like collabs together. So check I it out. I will have to check out cuz I, I love mystery science theater. If you ever just want to watch it Terrible bad movie. Like, they're terrible bad movies. Like, literally, it's like Santa goes to Mars and, like, shit like that. But then they do, like, comedy over it. So, like, instead of them talking, they go, I'm Santa. You know, like, so these stuff, like, over the dialogue and, like, that kind of stuff. That's amazing. It's pretty good. That sounds like something that mm-hmm. I would enjoy. Um, I think you would. You like sci-fi. And they do a lot of sci-fi movies because there's a lot of Oh, bad I love it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen all the old school <laughs> mystery science theaters. Um, it yeah. got a, it mm-hmm. jumped the shark a little bit towards the end. wasn't quite as good, but um, and then it came mm-hmm. back for uh, Netflix, Patton Oswald, uh, yeah. and that was mm-hmm. actually decent. wasn't bad. Right. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Um, yeah. So uh, if you're tuning in, you have tuned into <laughs> our movie review that no one asked for. But since we have a podcast on the subject matter, we kind of felt we needed to cover these movies we've already covered the first one so if you're gonna go listen to that go do that um these are very rough very cash episodes i don't even edit them so it is what it is and today we're gonna be going through the second fear street movie on netflix and it is 19 is 1978 yes 1978 i didn't write it down i'm like i'm gonna get this wrong it's, uh, it's 1978 <laughs> that we have both watched, and we're going to take you through it. Mm-hmm. So if you have not watched the movie, we try to delay this long enough so that everybody's kind of had a chance to get caught up. Um, we're literally going to go through the plot step by step. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to go do that. Come back. Lots and lots of... Sp- we're going to spoil the whole movie. So, yeah. yeah. So there's that. Sorry about it. Okay, so (laughs) at the top of uh, my little outline here, I have, okay, this is funny. All the Twilight movies have taken over the top 10 spots from Fear Street on Netflix. I I was like, what the hell? But I think it's a thing. Like, people are live tweeting, like, hate for Twilight. So, But then they're watching it a lot, so it's knocked it into the... There's this weird Twilight resurgence happening on Instagram amongst, like, a certain generation. Not the generation that had Twilight, but, like, the new generation. And I'm like, please don't discover these movies. They're not good. The books are not good. I'm sorry if there's any fans out there who love them. They're terrible. I worked at Hot Topic during the insanity years when Twilight was, like, at its peak. I have horror stories for you, okay? It is not good. No. Let it go. Let it die in the dustbin of history. Find other things to watch that are terrible, that are good, terrible. Those are just bad, terrible. And there's some good actors in those movies. I'm looking at you, Lee Pace, and I'm looking at you, Michael Sheen. 
I don't know why you signed on to those movies. I guess you were poor at the time. It's just, it's a no. It's a no for me. No. Okay. That's it. I'm done. I hate it. But listen. hate them. (laughs) Um, Maybe, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, getting a divorce and you come on a a romance novel that's... About vampires, <laughs> maybe. maybe but is it really, really like a it? Novel, and though? maybe you like read it a lot. <laughs> but is it really a romance novel? There are so many romance novels out there. I was that are okay. Good. Here's why I like it. I was 16 again. I was okay. easily that obsessed with boys. If something like, you know what I'm saying? If it, it was, yes, it, it was kind of shallow, but that's the age that this right. was going down. Um, I felt like there wasn't a way they could have done the movies to really do the books justice. Because I'm not going to lie, I, I'm not very cool, but I did. I like the books. I still like them. I re- like if I'm having a down day, like I will pick up Twilight. Um, and then I really liked if towards the, the end argue, when they went into like an X-Men kind of thing uh, with like all the different mm. vampires and like their different abilities and stuff like that. And I thought that was pretty neat. That was neat. No, like I will give it this. The books are terribly written, but there's some potential there. Like I read all the books because I was just morbidly curious. And I, and again, I was breaking out topics. We got them for free. And I was like, all right, sure. You know, they take me five minutes to read. But if I had to choose one in a death match, like what am I going to keep? I would keep the books over the movies for sure. (laughs) Um, You know, and I get people like it. I totally do. It's just the fact that it's coming back again alarms me because I don't want it to. I'm like, let it go. Leave it. Let it go. It's, it's more about just leaving it, you know. Okay, we're gonna leave it. We're there. gonna agree to disagree. It's okay. It happens. You know, <laughs> this is an excellent time for us to set a very good example. Danielle and I are very, very good friends. We've never met in person, but we're very yes. good friends, and we talk all the time, and we love each other. We are also adults yes. who can understand that we can disagree <laughs> and still be friends. It's possible. What do you mean? I'm quitting the podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Okay. This is the end of it. So that's episode. enough about Goodbye. Twilight. Back to what we were talking about here. I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> I'm not sorry. So we went to 1978. And first thing we do when we open this movie is we get a recap. And all I wrote was, holy shit, bread slicer. Thanks for taking us back there. <laughs> There was an article, and I didn't, I didn't click it, so I didn't actually read it. And it was based on like, is it actually possible for someone's head to go through a bread oh, slicer? I there, I want to know. And now, I think it's possible. You think so? I feel like the skull bone is so dense, and those blades are not meant for cutting hard material. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. If anyone knows, please let us know. Do you remember who posted it? No, it looked like clickbait to me, and I didn't have time, so I just didn't. Oh, I was like, huh, okay. okay. Well, that's... I thought someone shared no. it. No. Okay. No, if anyone knows or if anyone has that link, go ahead and share it in the Facebook group. 
So, yes, so yes, yeah, so we get this recap, and then it's like some creepy kid music. I didn't know if they were going to go to like the La La place with it, but it wasn't. It was just kind of like a creepy kid music type of intro. Um, and we open up with a red hat on the couch. She's watching the news coverage of the death and Simon and Kate. And this bitch has a lot of clocks. Okay. And whiskey. Yeah. Many, many clocks everywhere. Each clock has an alarm on it and a label, which looks like it was very smartly made from some amazing label maker. And the clocks all seem to be like tied to simple tasks so, like, a clock goes off and, you know, she has to lock the doors or she has to feed the dog. Um, and I wrote, does she have a memory problem? Is mm-hmm. this, because, did I miss where they explain that? Is or it, like, memento it, where she needs no. to, like, have these tasks? No, I totally missed that, too. Okay. I totally missed that, too. I think, I was thinking, like, OCD, like. It's a ritual thing. Like, you have to do these oh, things at a certain time. Yeah, and maybe so... that's comforting. Maybe that's, like, how she controls. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, not to, like, spoil the plot, but, like, you know, things happen to sure. her. And so maybe she's, you know, fucked in the head a little Could bit. Be. Could be. <laughs> so she has, like, she needs to have these rituals or something. I don't know. But, no, they never explain the clocks. Because I was thinking that when the movie ended, I was like, what the hell with these clocks? Like, explain. Right. Nope. Not that. Um, She falls asleep. Nope. She's woken up when she hears mm-hmm. someone outside, right? There's someone or many someones with flashlights, and they're trying mm-hmm. to get into her house. So she's kind of hiding out in the house, and the kitchen window opens, which freaked me out because the hands looked really small, and I thought some kind of creepy demon kid was going to come <laughs> through there. Um, but... So she like she attacks the intruder and it's it's Dina. It's Dina from the first movie, right? She kind of quickly explains that, you know, she's the one that called her earlier in the night to see how it was that she survived the witch. Josh is also standing at the window, and we're reminded that this redheaded gal's name is C. Bremen. She wants to know mm. what they're doing, and Dina and Josh take her out to the car. Where they show her that they have tied Sam up and put her in the trunk. So on one hand, I don't know that I would leave Sam alone either. But on the other hand, how are they... I'm I'm focusing on the wrong things here. But like, how are they transporting her around? (laughs) People are fucking heavy. Okay, sorry. I know. I mean, she's a small, like, teenager, but... Still, yeah, they're like, and Here we in go. the trunk, what if she, yeah, well, I wouldn't put her in the back like, seat either. Yeah, I wouldn't either, but I still don't know if I'd want to put someone in the trunk, like, they could just stop breathing and you have no idea, and yeah, and then they're dead, I guess. So, <laughs> so I don't know what good. Brennan tells them that you know they need to leave, like, they need to get out, they can't help her friend. What they actually need to do is they need to like run, they need to run away as fast as they can. There's nothing they can do. And Dina has this very emotional moment where she explains that she loves Sam, she's not giving up on her. So, Bremen kind of she she relents, she says, Okay, we'll just keep Sam away from the dog, whose name is Major Tom. <laughs> Which I love, but I feel like he needs a brother named Ground Control. Sorry. Yes. Major Tom and Ground Control. Yes. How cute. I would love it. Go out on walks. Hey, guys. 
Sorry. <clears throat> so they take possessed Sam into the bathroom of Brendan's house and they tie her up. She is like kind of undead, I guess. But okay, sure, that should work. T go, keep tying her up. It's worked so far. Josh and Dina, they go into the living room with Brennan, Bremen and she tells, is it Bremen or Brennan? Oh, it sounded like Bren, like Brennan to me. Okay. Brennan. I could be wrong. Anyway, again, getting distracted. She pulls out this book, right? And it's stuffed with drawings and clippings and whatnot. And on the front in this book where she opens it up, there's like a drawing and it says Mark of the Witch. Okay. And then she kind of goes into her story. And it looks like we're all going to Camp Nightwing where Bremen's sister was killed. Is Camp Nightwing, is that Fear Street? Why do I feel like that's Goosebumps? You know, I have to, I'm going to look it up because I put that note too. And I don't know why they would. Are we confusing Batwing Hall? No. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. let us Google. We'll do the Google searches. I'll provide the music. Yeah, so I believe. Well, there was Camp Nightmare. Yes. But what was the name of the camp? Uh, no, they're also close. So camp. So in Camp Nightmare, it's Camp Night Moon. Oh. And then there's Night Wing. Okay. All right. So. Okay. Well, any hoodles? We're going to camp. I must hear. And we oh oh you're we're camp sorry Camp Nightwing was part of Lights Out. Oh, Did we read Lights we Out. Read Lights Out, but I think I have it. We can cover it next. So that's yeah. Trouble begins at Camp Nightwing and Lights Out. I think I have so Lights Out. I will look for it. If I have Lights Out, we'll cover it next. Cool. cool. So let's go to camp. We open with some like good old fashioned seventy style bullying right that might actually kill someone as it often did so during bad. that time like huge carry vibes like we are mm -hmm. trying to hurt people like we are trying to cut like yeah. <laughs> possibly kill them right but the thing that I like about this is our young redhead has some big ass balls because she just yells like fuck you and she kicks like the lead bully I don't know, in the face? I, I forget where she landed her kick. Yeah. But her, so this lead bully, I think it was, go ahead. Oh, I think it was in the face. I think so. Because they had the same broken nose eventually. Right. So maybe it was, or busted up. So this, this lead bully, it's always this like girl in charge, right? So her name is Sheila. And they're all staying, saying that like the redheaded girl they're chasing has stolen something. Um, and I didn't catch it. What was it that she was supposed to have stolen? Do you remember? I think you find out it was money. Okay. Like stuff was missing from her room and I believe it was money, money. from her room. So anyways, they're, her, her cabinet. they're all chanting this like creepy rhyme, I guess, asking her if she knows what they do to witches. And then Sheila the psycho produces a Zippo and starts to slowly burn the skin on Brendan's underarm. Ow. 
The group is stopped by a camp counselor who I assume is the brother of one of the kids in the mob. This kid's super cute, by the way. This counselor. He's a douche. Isn't, sorry. Go ahead. I'm going backwards. Isn't her name Ziggy? Her name is Ziggy, but we don't know that yet. Oh, right. They're just calling her Brennan until up at this point. Okay. My bad. No worries. Um, so this like this kid comes on the scene. I wrote here that he's super cute. I know that he's a douchebag later, um, but that's my fault because I have a weakness for this particular color palette. Um, so he he lines all these kids up, and and all these kids are like, you know, we saw her steal this thing, whatever it was, and the counselor's like, all right, you're out of camp. Five strikes. Five? That's a That's lot. That's a lot of strikes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. But I guess that she's for a, for a kid. She's already gotten in trouble for, like, lighting the camp flag on fire and graffitiing the outhouse stalls. Uh, but regardless, she's out. She needs to go tell her mom she's getting kicked out of camp. And Bremen protests. She's saying she hasn't done anything. And, oh, yeah, these kids are just trying to burn me alive. And the counselor's like, yeah, 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 we'll handle that. But you go pack your bags, you hooligan. Sure. <laughs> Hooligans. Then we learn the camp counselor's name is Kurt. And one of the kids make the argument that if they kick her out, somebody will ask questions about the burns on her arm. And then they'll all get in trouble. Um, yep. So apparently theft is ranking slightly higher than torture. Uh, at camp. Good to know. So Kurt relents and tells her, okay, one more strike. <laughs> so that's six. And she's out. And before Bremen stomps off, we learn that Kurt is a good, which is the same name as our ultra board cop from movie one. So we're starting to have connections, right? Yes. And I want to ask you about this. I, I moved quite a bit. Um, not like in an Air Force manner, but like, you know, throughout childhood, we moved a few times and I just wondered what it would be like to like live in a town that was so small and for so long that you actually had a reputation attached to your family name and it was just common knowledge for like everyone in town. And that's basically what this kid's like. Yeah. Cause in all the movies so far... Everybody just knows what that means when he says he's a good. So it's like, wow, your family never moves ever from this one place. It just seemed kind of weird. Do we know what his dad did yet or not yet? Um, No, not yet. Okay, so good. The goods are always cops. We don't know why. And apparently they're always the chief of the cops because that's how that works. Um, Like a monarchy. So... She goes off into the woods and she's chased by this cute kid who we learn is Nick Good. He's the younger brother of Kurt who lives in Sunnyvale. And I guess everyone knows that one day he's going to be the police chief. Um, But he's looking out for our redhead. I mean, kind of. She's having none of it. She says that she's not going to flirt with him like all the other girls. And she flips him off and walks away, which we'd love, right? Yeah. 
And we learn quickly that this camp is for the kids of both Sunnyvale and Shadyside. Apparently, if you don't live in either one of those two towns, you're not getting in <laughs> to Camp Nightwing. Apparently not. Right? Yeah, it seemed kind of weird. I was like, is that the only town in the town? Like, it's Just these two towns, towns that are towns right on top of each other and then not another town for a thousand okay. million miles. Cool. Okay, okay. I don't know. <clears throat> So, <laughs> Brennan's walking through camp, and there's this, like, great montage of all these camp activities, right? Um, there's there's yes. archery and arts and crafts, all the things. She walks by a counselor who throws her a blue shirt, and I guess all the kids from Shadyside get to wear blue, and the Sunnyvale kids get red, which I think also later become their school colors, or maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So now we get a, a jump. We jump to Tommy and uh, Brennan's older sister. Who? Excuse me. We jump to Tommy and Brennan's older sister. Her name is Cindy. And they are cleaning the outhouses. Okay. Um, and there's this like crusty gunk on everything. And it is yeah, not poop. Because so it, it, I, I was like, is that poop? Like who misses that bad? Like, did you just not sit down at all? I'm very confused about how this works. Um, I mean, if you have a really bad stomach ache, maybe. I don't or like, know. there's Children, a poop smear there. I don't. I don't know. That's a thing. Like some people do yeah. that. There was um, I worked in a building one time where like, we walked by the bathroom. It was all like roped off. And, like, an, somebody had done that, like, an adult. And it was oh somebody that Lord. we worked with. And, like, they were checking camera footage. And then, like, the yeah. next day, like, somebody was fired for being the poop smearer. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a thing. Does that follow you? Like, if they need a, they need a reference, they have to call and go, look, don't hire this guy. <laughs> Listen, would you want to have that conversation, though? Seriously. Like, if you had to explain why, <laughs> wouldn't you just be like, ah, it didn't work out? Find out for yourself why. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But this is not poop. It's some kind yeah. of like crusty, like no. reddish gunk, right? And Tommy's. Kind of looks like rust. Yeah, it kind of does. Kind of looks like rust. Tommy tells her to give it up. That <laughs> stuff never comes off. And she gets some on her shirt and freaks out a little bit. Apparently, it's some kind of moss. And we learn pretty quickly that, like, no. they are a couple. And tonight, there is a yeah. color war that's going on at camp. I guess that means that's that's what the shirts are for, right? And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where was I? You, they were cleaning the moss, and they're a couple. Uh, yes. So I wrote... I guess cleaning the na- nasty outhouse is pretty sexy because they start making out, like, in the outhouse. Personally, I feel like I'd take it outside. <laughs> so it was gross. super gross. Yeah. Yeah, that was super gross. But I think the whole point of that is so that we could see her, like, smack his hand away from her ass. Like, how dare he, like, yeah. reach down and over the clothes grab her butt. Okay. <laughs> L- okay. <laughs> So it's safe to assume that they probably haven't done much more than kiss, right? Um, Which is hilarious because the next scene um, is Cindy's gone to look for these other two counselors 
who were supposed to be helping them clean and get ready for the color war, and she finds both of them in the cabin having gratuitous table sex and smoking pot. It was so gratuitous. Oh, I was like, whoa, Fear Street, whoa. Well, it's just hilarious because it's like she just slapped her like hand away, his hand away, and then and then right. it, like jumped straight to the next scene, and they are they are definitely going at it because I wrote that was an intense scene. I was like, oh, I wrote, get it, girl. Because <laughs> yeah, they were like shaking the cabin, like this was not some like yeah, teenage like, love scene. They were no. all right. <laughs> So, and in the beginning, I did not intense than I was say it again. It was more intense than I was expecting. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, well, I think we got a, a bit of that in the preview. So I was kind of expecting it. Oh, I didn't watch any of the previews. Oh, so gotcha. Any of the trailer thingies. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so in the, when this is happening, I did not catch their names. But for some reason, they hate Cindy. And I guess that's because she's snitched on them before for drugs. It's all very unclear. Um, But they tell her Mm -hmm. that, you know, they'll do their jobs if she goes to Nurse Lane's and gets them some pills. They're not picky about what kind of pills. Any pills is great. She refuses. And it's your basic, like, good girl versus the bad girl thing, right? Yeah. Bottom line, Mm -hmm. they aren't doing shit except sex and drugs. Period. Yep. And Cindy gets pissed, right? So she leaves and she walks right into Kurt. Kurt, of course, is all business. He's got his, like, whistle on. And uh, he tells her that, you know, her sister's getting kicked out of camp for getting in trouble again. Or no, her sister's not getting kicked out of camp. She's getting into trouble again. So then we switch to Bremen, who has just arrived at the med station, right? Because she got burned. They burned her. So she's gone to the nurse. She's mm-hmm. There's nobody around, though. So she's calling out for Nurse Lane. And she walks into her office, and she sees there's a stack of files. And then we also see the book, right, from the beginning of the movie. It's kind of like a yes. diary mm-hmm. size and shape, but it's got, like, a bunch of stuff stuck into it. So it's almost like a notebook. I think I may have referenced it in my notes as a notebook. But right as she's kind of looking at this book, Nurse Lane shows up, and she notices the burn on Bremen's arm. And apparently Bremen goes by Ziggy. So we'll call her Ziggy from now on. But this is the first time that we hear it. So Nurse Lane is doctoring Ziggy up and she asks the nurse, what's the mark of the witch? Because she saw that in the open book. Um, and we learn that from the first movie, the girl with the razor, who is Ruby Lane, is the daughter of the nurse Lane that is now helping Ziggy, right? That's her daughter. So the nurse goes mm-hmm. into this whole thing yeah. about how, like, the Mark of the Witch is something that has to do with her daughter uh, killing, like, seven of her friends. Um, you know, she talks about how she was a really good girl. She was had all this bright future in front of her. But the witch got a hold of her and made her do things. And while she's having this conversation with Ziggy... Um, She's getting just, like, more and more worked up about it, right? She's wrapping this bandage Mm -hmm. really tight, like, tighter and tighter. And she starts to kind of go off the rails, and she's kind of mumbling something like, you know, sometimes murder is necessary and good. And Ziggy yells at her, and she kind of snaps out of it. 
And that's when Cindy walks in to get Ziggy. And remember, those two are sisters. Right. So, I thought that was a good good connection. That was cute to work her mom in there. So we had that connection of the murders. Yeah. Um, That was a good one. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It was like a callback. There's so many callbacks to that first movie, and I guess that's a thread throughout all three because it's a kind of a true trilogy in that sense. Um, yeah. But I thought that was cool. So Cindy goes on this whole speech about how, and this made no sense to me, right? She says something stupid like, if Ziggy gets kicked out of camp, then they'll have to go home. And then her mom will have to quit her job to watch Ziggy, who is like 16, and this is the 70s, Um and then there won't be enough money for Cindy to go to college. Did yeah. I get that right? There was just a lot happening there. I, that's sort of what I gathered that their mom, like basically they have to stay at camp because if they go home, the mom has nobody to watch Ziggy or like then she'll lose her job. Like there's some correlation between Ziggy can't be home because nobody can watch her. And then they'll have no money. It was sort of, it was like really dramatic. It was a lot. But she doesn't explain why like anybody missed. has to watch Ziggy. No. Because I mean, how old really is she Ziggy supposed 16. to She looks 16. She looks like next year she's going to be 17 and a counselor. Yeah. I don't really know how old she is supposed to be. But yeah, she looks old enough to be alone at home. Thousand percent. <laughs> Thousand percent. Yeah. Um, so so you've got this like continuing theme through this movie, right? There's the two sisters. The older sister is trying to be like super perfect, trying to to rise above, to leave Shady Side, to do all the all the good things so she can have a different kind of mm-hmm. life. And then you've got Ziggy who's like, right. fuck it. We aren't ever going anywhere. We're cursed. You should stop trying. I'm not trying. Who cares? Nothing good is going to happen to us ever. So we should just do whatever we want, basically. Um, So now we jump to the mess hall where Cindy and Tommy are cleaning again. And okay, what is she doing? (laughs) Does this camp own a long handled mop? Why is she cleaning the floor like Cinderella with a brush and a bucket? She is Cinderella. I, I, I under- <laughs> it's like a Brillo. I know everybody's screaming at me right now because I get distracted and I get hung up on things that don't matter. But this kind of, I was like, really? I know it's the 70s, but it's not the 1800s. Why are you cleaning the floor with a brush and a bucket on your hands and knees? Real stupid. Um, okay. So she's having this little priss fit, right? She's getting angry about the situation. So angry she breaks the brush in half. And she's talking to Tommy, you know, she goes into the closet for another brush. She comes back out. Tommy's acting kind of weird. It's a very kind of eerie scene, right? You're waiting for somebody to jump out and kill her. But what we get instead is Nurse Lane in the doorway. And she's got this big ass knife. And she starts telling Tommy that it's not his fault. It's not her fault. She saw his name on the wall. There's nothing we can do. And now he has to die. 
And then she attacks him with the knife. Cindy does nothing. Okay. <laughs> she stands there and just watches this all go down. Um, so Tommy kind of like throws the nurse off him. But like when he does that, he she hits her head on a bench and she's knocked out cold. Right. So in the next scene, yeah. we see that Nurse Lane is being kind of taken away on a gurney and Tommy and Cindy are being questioned by the cops. The cops just assume that insanity runs in the family. After all, you know, her daughter was Ruby Lane. We know what she did. So they don't they really ask any more questions. Um, Ziggy's watching Nurse Lane being taken away when Sheila shows up with her sisters, question mark. Are those Sheila's sisters or friends? I think they're just friends. I think it's like either her little pack of friends. I guess. So, but they show up to be assholes. They say, you know, hey, you might want to go check your stuff. Like something might be wrong. There might have been an accident in your cabin. And I got to say, for all the mean shit that they do to Ziggy, she keeps just like biting back. And we love her for that. She's She is not a victim. Yeah. As many times as they come at her, she always pushes right back, right? So she runs off to see what they've done. She runs right past Nick, who's talking to some cop with a porn stash. And he's telling him that, sorry about the deaths <laughs> and, oh, about the death of his dad. I guess Nick's dad has died. But it's okay because he's going to be chief of police one day. Because, again, apparently this is a matriarchal, patriarchal system for the cops. Yeah. Cause they act like it's a birthright. So is So I think his um I think the one with the uh the porn stash, he's eventually the older cop. Right. right. In part Well but one. he even says that. He's like, yeah. take it easy on me when you're my boss. And it's like this kid is like seventeen. Probably. <laughs> but everybody's already decided like that's what he's gonna do. Um, which kinda sucks. Oh no. It's okay. I'm going to have to edit this a little bit anyways. Okay. Not a ton, but, but like I have to take out like me screaming at my children and things of that nature. <laughs> we don't want anyone calling CPS. Just kidding. Oh, please. My, please. My children are so spoiled. My mom is just cannot believe. Yeah. When you have parents, okay. your parents are like, why are you doing that? Mind your business, parents. Um, so the dinner bell rings and everybody heads into the mess hall. The kids are all wearing their blue or red shirts and they're mostly sitting at tables by color groups, right? So we, we see here automatically that people... I think they're split in half. Yeah, yeah, people don't mix. You don't see a table of like mixed colors. Um, although there seems to be much more sunny veilers than shady ciders. They're definitely in the minority. Mm-hmm. Um, Cindy's sitting with Tommy and some other counselors, and there's this one hippie chick who's just, like, kind of openly rolling a joint at their dinner table. Yeah, I love That's fine. <laughs> um, so Kurt gets up to announce that the first event of the color war is capture the flag, and Kurt is the hype man. He is intense. He also makes no bones about the fact that Sunnyvale has never, never lost a color war that's my husband coming home. Because um, okay. they're awesome. And Shady Side sucks. 
after Kurt has this like rousing speech, the hippie chick gets up and she's like, she gives a Bob Ross version of Kurt's speech, right? Like yeah. we're all winners like, in our hearts, blah, 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 whatever. And it was, it was just really, really awkward, but we loved it. Um, so, yeah. So we flip back to where Cindy is concerned for Tommy. She's still thinking about Nurse Lane. And she's like, what did I write here? She's thinking about Nurse Lane and said about Tommy. Sorry, my dogs are going insane. Everyone's working against us tonight, Danielle. Sincaster, the children, <laughs> the dogs. Oh, the dogs are the least of our worry. All right. So Cindy is very concerned for Tommy. She starts thinking about like that day when she went in to get Ziggy at Nurse Lane's, and Ziggy had said something to her about the nurse um, being weird and acting strange. So she wants to go follow up with Ziggy and find out exactly what it was that the nurse told her that made her think that. Because um, they're still trying to figure out why the hell she tried to kill Tommy. Because she, she 100% was trying to kill him. Um, and when she does catch up with Ziggy, she says, don't worry about it. And then we get a ton of backstory, right? So apparently these two girls, their dad has left their mom. Their mom's kind of a drunk. And they're going to lose their house. And Ziggy's like, hey, all these things are happening I really don't care about your perfect boyfriend. Sorry about it. Like, you wouldn't give me the time of day earlier. I don't really feel like helping you now. Oh, and, and was this the point where we find out that Cindy has saved all summer for that polo shirt she's wearing? That's what they alluded to, basically. Like, that's what Ziggy kind of made fun of her. Like, I don't know if it was literally she saved all summer for it, or it was just like you knew she was working to get new clothes, you know, kind of a thing. Well, so she looked in that scene cooler. in the bathroom where they're cleaning, she gets really, really upset because she gets some of that red crap on her shirt. Right. And Tommy's like, what? It's just a shirt. But then that makes a lot more sense if she's trying so hard to be somebody else. Um, that's her, like, mm -hmm. nice shirt, which is hilarious um because it's a polo so now yeah um oh and then we also find out that you know the thing that they did to ziggy's stuff is that they wrote a whole bunch of like hateful shit all over her bunk mean yeah mean names yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. like that so now it's time for capture the flag and they put on a kansas song on the radio and the game begins Tommy is having these little dizzy spells. I guess he hit his head in the struggle with the nurse. But Cindy takes him to break into the med station to look through the nurse's stuff. Cindy really needs to know what the reason is that Tommy was attacked. Why did Nurse Lane say that Tommy had to die, right? And yeah. as they're going through, they find some pills. And Cindy's like, okay, case closed. This is why she said that. This is why she attacked Tommy. She was high on drugs. Um, let's take these to the cops so they know what was going on. Tommy finds the uh, like research diary about Sarah Fear in the nurse's office. And while they're going through all this, they run into Alice, who is the girl from our gratuitous sex scene earlier. 
she and her long, yes. floppy-haired boyfriend. And they're also breaking in, but they're actually, like, looking for drugs to, like, just to have and take. And Alice and Alice asks Cindy, you know, what she's doing there, if she's going to snitch on the nurse, too. But this long-haired boyfriend snatches the book away from Alice, and they kind of start reading it. And they're recognizing it that it's some kind of, like, fear, Seraphir lore, right? It's part of the legend of Seraphir, which everybody in this town knows about. Um, mm-hmm. But it goes into a little more detail here, right? Now we Now we understand that, like, she cut off her hand to maintain the grip on the land and that the whole town burned her. That she was chained and burned. Not very deep. Come on, town. Um, we know that from the first episode. So a little bit of backstory there that we didn't get before. It involves a ritual where she cuts off her hand. Um, yeah. But it goes on to say that if you unite the hand with a body, the curse will end. Okay, so now we have a purpose. Now we can put her hand back and we can end the curse. Did you get Freddy Krueger vibes? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I wrote that here. It's like, we got to find the bones and, freak. you know, <laughs> right? They are kind of using a little bit of everything. Yeah, so that was my first thought like- was like, okay, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. We're going to find the bones and like you know, hollowed ground and all that stuff. But it didn't work there. I don't feel like it's going to work here. We'll find out. But Alice... No, I got the same... Go ahead. I know, I think I got the same vibe, though. Like, it was very um, nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, that's immediately what my my head went to. Um, Alice is the... Alice and her long-haired boyfriend, whose name is Arnie, so we have Alice and Arnie, uh, they go to another page in the book where there's this map of camp, right? And it shows that the camp is now built on the place where the original settlement for the town was. And that town was called Union. But then later, the settlement split into two, Shadyside and Sunnyvale. There's a spot on the map showing where Sarah Fear was, which they assume that's her house. And Alice and Arnie grab a flashlight. They grab Cindy's bag. They pop some random pills and they head out the door into the woods <laughs> to find Sarah Fear's house. Really? Bye. <laughs> Seriously. And these little like, okay, listen, there, everybody has a, a somewhat experimental type, Right. Even during the time Mm -hmm. when I was, like, checking out some drugs and, like, seeing what that was all about, never once was I, like, I don't know what this is. I'm going to shove a ton of it in my body and see what happens. (laughs) Especially in the 70s. None of that shit was regulated. Right. You don't know what. You literally have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Fettermine. You don't know. Um, you have no idea. No clue. Could be like rat poison. Could be anything. So I was like, wow, these kids, (laughs) hardcore gangster AF. Um, even in the seventies, the shady side kids, pretty gangster. (laughs) Tommy is not doing well, right? He keeps hearing his name, like being called to him from the fire, from the woods, whatnot. He's not okay. 
We cut back to Ziggy in her cabin and she is making a bucket of red paint and Nick comes in to see what she's up to. But he gets it because he's also red Carrie and he knows exactly what Ziggy's <laughs> planning to do. He also says he's got a better idea of how to get back at Sheila and the genetic lottery twins. I've started referring to them as the genetic lottery twins because the little the little henchmen have like perfect color palette. Did you notice that? Perfect skin, <laughs> yeah. dark hair, light blue eyes, like mm-hmm. tiny little models. Um, yeah. Yes, the genetic lottery twins. So then we jump back to Cindy and Tommy, and they're running through the woods after Alice and Arnie, and there's some kind of history here, right, between Cindy and Alice. Apparently, she snitched on Alice. Alice got into a lot of trouble. They don't really go into it, but there's many, many references to them at one point being friends, okay? And they're going through the woods. Arnie's complaining that, you know, he's not high enough yet. Whatever pills that they've taken are not good. So he's disappointed, right? And he's... And Alice is like, well, here, let's just take some more. That, truly, that's the problem. Like, let's just put more random pills in our body and see if that will make us higher or die. One of those two things will happen. Um, and this is a point that Cindy rips her shirt, right? On like a, on, on a bush or something like that. And I'm, I'm sure this is obvious for everybody, but I was actually pretty proud of myself for figuring it out. Um, so the shirt right, represents what Cindy wants to be and who she wants to be. Right. And throughout this whole movie, the shirt is slowly getting trashed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like she's also slowly realizing that, like, that perfect life is not on the horizon for her. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that was very obvious to everyone, but I was proud of myself because I've yeah, I was like, this is a metaphor. Um, so they're running through the woods and Alice falls into this big hole and they look all around and there's all those, these like huge people sized holes everywhere. So what they assume is that the nurse was trying to end the curse. She was trying to find the bones of Seraphir um, so that maybe she could reunite the hand with the bones and end the curse, Right. Um, and it's been bugging me this whole time about Alice because I know this character. I remember her. I had to pause the movie and go get up and check the name and the description. So one of the books that we haven't covered yet, although we might have to now, um, after we cover lights out is the overnight. Okay. And in this book, there's a character that pops up here and there throughout the early books. Um, and I believe the overnight is book three. It's very, very early. But but this character yeah. has a different name. We have talked about it before. Yeah, this character has a different name. And I put up a, a poll on Twitter because I wanted to see what people were thinking. You guys, is Alice's character Suki Thomas from the overnight and many of the other books? She's got the hair and the attitude, the promiscuity. If you've read The Overnight and and if you're from the Fear Street Club from back in the day, I want to know what you think. Is Alice actually Suki? Oh, you think they just renamed her? I think they did. I mean, 
the way she acts, the way she looks, like everything is the same. Um, I put it up on Twitter. Let's see what they say. So according to the Twitter poll, nope, that's Deathmatch. Um, also Deathmatch. Where's the Suki poll? There it is. Okay. Um, 80% say yes. Yes, it is. And then 20% say that it's actually a reference to another character. Interesting. So I don't know. Let me know, you guys. Let us know in the group. We want to know. So they see all these holes. There's more talk about how Alice and Cindy used to be friends. They find a stone entrance to what looks like a crypt. And Alice and Arnie are doing things that are going to get themselves killed, right? Let's, I mean, let's, let's take, Mm -hmm. let's take stock. They're high. They're not taking things seriously. They're having gratuitous sex in cabins. Um, And Alice even like yells down in this crypt and like is calling out Sarah Fear, telling her to come out. So, of course, now they're going to go down into this crypt thing, which we can assume is the cool place from the end of movie one that we were really hoping to see. And the room doesn't disappoint us. It's like a witch's cave, right? There's all kinds of books and spooky shit about. They're checking it out. They go through this like hole in the wall into a second chamber where they find the witch's mark on the ground. And they know that's that because it's in the book, right? We've seen this witch's mark before. Um, It's supposed to be the spot where Sarah Fear cuts off her hand and curses the land and that left this mark on the land. Arnie announces that the drugs they took were Tylenol. He recognizes the the number on the pills. It's Tylenol. That's why they're not high. How disappointing. So he's going to leave to try to find them more drugs. He goes through the hole and into the first chamber where Tommy has hung back in the other room. And I didn't notice until now, but he's wearing this red plaid shirt that looks familiar. Familiar. Mm. So when, <laughs> this is the first time I noticed the red plaid shirt. I don't know if he put it on while he was in that other chamber. I don't know. I've got to watch it again. It was hard to kind of watch and stop and type and watch and stop and type. I need yeah. to rewatch and like get the full experience again. I'm not going to like, I won't go and go into my final thoughts yet, but I will say I will rewatch this yeah. one. The first one, I don't know. This one, yes. Yeah. I think we need to get a broader picture Absolutely. of all of it because it, I think what it is is it hops so much that we're trying to make sure we cover it everything does. in the plot instead of just absorbing the information. So I think it'd be a completely different um, experience to do it that way. So I am going to watch it again. So all this is going down. Cindy discovers that there's another hidden place in the second chamber behind a bookshelf, right? She pulls out some books and there's empty space behind this bookshelf. Alice points out to her that there are names carved on the walls of all the shady side killers and that Tommy's name is on the wall as well. So Arnie's in trouble. Tommy has flipped. Tommy is a monster now. He grabs an axe and he top he chops Arnie's face into many pieces while the girls watch. It was amazing. The effects were fantastic. Everyone who's worked on this movie should be very, very proud of themselves. 
Yes. They run back into the second chamber. They crawl through the hidden space behind the bookcase. Um, and it's some kind of tunnel. Tommy follows them. Cindy kicks at him. And then there's a cave-in, right? And the rocks magically separate the two girls from Tommy. So he can't get at them. But also, they're trapped underground now. So now we cut back. And to capture the, the flag game, that's still going on. Without any kind of supervision, <laughs> um, everybody's still playing Capture the Flag. I think the color war is like an all night. This is where I never went to summer camp. And I didn't, I forgot to say this earlier, but when you were talking about the camp, like montage thing, with very, very, toward the beginning, when after all the, the, the bullying, whatever. I was watching that and I was going, man, I am so glad I never went to camp because like none of that looked enjoyable to me and like making friends and sitting around with people. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of it. I, I was like, ugh. Well, this is <laughs> no. this is so – I went to 4-H camp a couple of times. But um, we used to live in Texas when I was like five or six years old. And my, I had four older brothers. And the only thing to do in the tiny town that we lived in in Texas was 4-H. Like, that was it. Whether you had animals or not or whatever, like, everybody did 4-H. So it's like, you know, they had cooking and different things that were not animal related. Because um, we didn't have livestock or anything like that. Um, but they did do a big summer camp like that. It was like a week thing. And the whole, like, chapter or whatever um drove hours away to like a place where there were cabins and bunks and um you know all kinds of shit and it was actually kind of fun because the only reason I got to go because I was too young um and the only reason I got to go is because my mom went as like a chaperone because they had to have a parent in each cabin so like my mom was like a parent in one of the cabins and then my four brothers and sisters uh were in there as well and I will say I do have fond memories of that time only because one night out of that week okay. it wasn't a color war it was a water war and it was water balloons and water guns and it was it wasn't teams or any shit like that they just we just ran around everywhere just just chunking water balloons at each other it was a good time that does sound fun I mean, and that was only a week. Like, we don't know how long this camp went on for. Like, some camps go on for too long, and you're just there forever, and, like, your whole entire summer. Oh, yeah. And, like, one of those you know. rich kid, all summer, 30 grand summer camps. That's what that cost, yeah. to send your kid like, away for the I summer. Just, like, I summer camp. Like, literally, though, in Adam's Family Values, when, what, when Wednesday and Pugsley go to summer camp, that's literally me. Like, literally that is me at Wednesday is me at summer camp. <laughs> like I would just be like, what the fuck is that? I would need to be in the happy hut. Like they would, the they would be putting me in there to try yes. to harmony hut. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and I would fall in love with the weird little boy who has allergies. Like it would be Aww. <laughs> that would be me. adorable. I love it. Well, so like, they're playing this. Yeah. That movie. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just saying that was me. I was like, when I watched that, when I came, that came out, I was like, it's me. <laughs> so they are playing uh, Capture the Flag. And if you've never played Capture the Flag, the, it's pretty simple. 
you, you the point is to get the other team's flag and they've hidden it somewhere and like there's jailers so like if you get caught then you get taken to this jail so there's one kid that can go around and be like haha i found you now you have to come with me to our jail right um <laughs> and of course sheila is the jailer for sunnyvale and she gets a note passed to her to like meet some boy in the bathroom and when Sheila gets there, it's all set up. There's like candles and music and stuff. And she's looking for this kid in the bathroom who I guess she's going to have this rendezvous with when Ziggy and Nick dump a bucket of bugs on her and they run out and they it. jam the door and she is stuck. And this is like cockroaches and spiders and stuff that they got from this random science room. Hey, rich kids right. who, like, actually went to summer camp. This seems weird. Is there a science I room? Was, I was so impressed with the science room. I was just, like, in love with this. I was like, what? They have a science room. That's so cool. Is that a thing? I loved it. I don't know. I mean, they're they're well, but then how are shady side not to be like me? But how are shady siders affording to go there? That's true. Because if it's well, if, if it's like a richy place, unless they all got scholarships or something. Well, like her sister worked there, so like maybe it's like if you have a sister, right? A counselor. So maybe, but then, oh, maybe there's a lot of shady siders though. They can't all be. Yeah, that's true. Counselors. Well, but we know even Counselor from our siblings. book, there are some like wealthy people in shady side. That's true. I mean, they're not all down on their luck, but I don't know. I mean, I was loving the science room. Oh, I thought I it was, was great, like, but cool. part of me is going, "Why is this here?" Um. Yeah. So it's really adorable. Ziggy and Nick have this little moment. Okay, it's it's very cute. Um, I was very charmed by this scene. Um, mm-hmm. this that was super cute. I mean, considering my age, this kid is a child. Um, but he's adorable and charming <laughs> and she's adorable and charming. I yeah. thought it was really, really cute. No, I love, I think her name is Sadie something, Sadie, mm-hmm. the actress's name. I loved her on Stranger Things mm-hmm. and she was so good in this. She is. Like, so yes, good. I like her a lot. And I want to rip the hair off her head because it's so beautiful. So beautiful. And weird, but. But in a way that is not <laughs> obvious and that makes it better. No. Yeah. So now we go back to Alice and Cindy. They're, remember, they're trapped, right, in some kind of cavern after this yeah. collapse. They're trying to find a way out. Well, Cindy is because Alice is like, well, we're going to die down here, you know, just like my boyfriend. Alice is really upset over Arnie, which is interesting because I didn't get a lot of connection between them. I thought it was pretty convenience-based. But then think about it. They're young, and it's probably, like, her first boyfriend or whatever, quote-unquote, boyfriend. So she's like, I love him. Yeah, I guess so. Like how what's-her-butt is all over Tommy. You know, I love him. He's the best. Like, it's the same thing, you know. Um, Young and dumb. (laughs) Also, we find out now that, of course, we kind of already knew it, but the nurse was trying to kill Tommy to stop him from killing the whole camp, right? Because that is what's happening now. Tommy is full-on monster he's got an ex everybody gonna die so now cindy is trying to get out so that she can save everyone and her sister right 
And they realize that the, and how did they realize this? We don't know. They are masters of topography. I don't know that that's a word. Uh, but they realize <laughs> that the curves of this cave somehow match the witch's mark in this book and that it's actually a map. So they might get out after all. And they start following the, uh, the map, right? So the jailer for Shadyside is Jeremy. And Jeremy, being Jeremy, just lets all the Sunnyvale kids go because he got egged by one of the other campers. Um, and right after this happens, Tommy shows up and hacks poor little Jeremy to death. I was concerned for Jeremy anyways because he's hanging out in the wood shop. And this is a horror movie. And we just had a scene with a bread slicer that was very intense. So I thought for sure we were going to get real creative. But Tommy gives no fucks. He's uh, he's married to this axe. No. It is quick and efficient. And little Jeremy <laughs> uh, takes a nap. Takes a nap. That was pretty sad. I was sad for him. I was sad for Jeremy. But to be like, totally honest, oh. I was a little relieved. Because I'm looking at all the sharp objects in this. In this wood shop going, okay, here we go again. Like, I situated myself. Like, I got my hands ready. And and then there was just an axe attack. So I was like, well, okay. He did get he did get off easy and theoretically, but I was still sad for him. I was like, man, collateral damage there. Like, he didn't deserve to die. Was he was a sweet him. kid. He was like, hey, everybody. Like, let's, let's play a game. You guys like charades? It's adorable. We're going to be best friends even though you're in jail. Like, I was like, oh, you're And so everyone cute. hates me. Yeah. We love him. So we go back over to Ziggy and Nick. Uh, and despite their town affiliations, they like each other. And it's real cute. There's a cute, quick little kiss. And they get interrupted by the screaming campers who have discovered what's left of Jeremy's body. So now we jump again. We hop all over in this movie. Um... We're back to Cindy and Alice because it's all happening at the same time, right? Like all these plot lines are going down at the same time. They're in the cave. They're making their way through the devil's mark. And there at the floor of the cave is this like big pulsing fly covered blob of flesh. Right. And it's, it's beating. Yeah. That. That made no sense to me. It's it looks like a heart almost. That's all fucked up. Like it's it's got that beat to it, but it looks like like a blob. That's just kind of. It does just look like a blob. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Then I kind of thought it looked like the monsters in the when they blew up them all in the bathroom right. in the first one. Right. And they made that blob. Is that supposed to be the same? I guess. I mean, I blob? guess that's the source, but we didn't actually come back to that in this movie ever. Like, I thought maybe that's there because for a reason. Um, but I guess maybe that's the site that she cut her hand. I have no idea. There's this big pulsating blob yeah. thing. And immediately Cindy's like, okay, time to go. But Alice goes in another direction and goes up and touches it. Right? Which made no sense. It made no sense. I was like, what? I'm like, why would you touch that? Like, even if you're like a spooky bitch and you're like, ooh, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't touch it. I still would be like, no, no. 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 Negative. So she does. She puts her hand on the unknown pulse thing, uh, like you do. And 
she gets these flashes, right? And she's getting flashes of its um, all these murdered people. She starts seeing Cindy's as she's murdered. She starts seeing other kids around that are de- like, she's getting some kind of weird premonition. So all this is going on and she freaks out. She falls. She breaks her leg. And it is a gnarly scene because it is what's called a compound fracture or an open fracture where the bone actually protrudes from the skin. Ew. Thank you, Nurse Christine. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Anytime. Anytime. You need it. I I do all the Google searches. Um, WebMD was quick with that one. Bone out of the skin, compound fracture. So now... Everyone at camp knows that there's a killer, right? Because we found what was left of Jeremy. So everybody's hauling ass to the mess hall. They're ringing the bells. The, the counselors are trying to get all the campers into the mess hall. They do a head count, and they're missing like 30 people. There are 30 people still in the woods who think capture the flag is still happening, right? Ziggy tries to go and find her sister, but Nick's like... No. And he, he shows, it was adorable. He shows like some affection to her in front of everyone, yeah. which I guess is a huge upset because she's shady side trash. So she's the troublemaker at camp and he's, you know, Mr. Popularity King, Sunnyvale. Right. But he gives no fucks. He's like mm-hmm. openly showing her affection in front of people, which makes us like him even more. Um, Cause yeah. it's one thing to say, I like you when we're alone together. And it's quite another when everyone's around. But he's like, no, I don't want you going out there. Stay here. Be safe. I'm going to go. I'm going to take this other counselor with me. We're going to go find some people. We're going to go look for your sister. Right? So they leave. They go to get her. Mm -hmm. And after she agrees, Sheila's little minions, the genetic lottery twins, come up and they're like, they confront Ziggy. They're like, what did you do to Sheila? Because, oh, right. They locked her in the bathroom with all the bugs. She's still out there with Tommy running around in his axe. So Ziggy feels like she has to go and get her because she's the person who put her out there. And now she's out in the open for a killer, right? So we go back to Nick, who's just entered the woods with his flashlight. He's trying to find everyone by calling their names. Good idea. And when he finds out... um, and then, so he's, he's finding a few people here and there. And then we find out where Joan, Joan is our little hippie girl from the beginning that was rolling the joint. So Joan and mm-hmm. Kurt are now having a gratuitous sex scene. And, you know, Kurt wants to make sure that Joan won't tell anybody about their hookup. He's got a, a reputation to protect, blah, blah, blah. Joan is not phased. She has used him just as much as he's used her. Um, she lights up a joint while he goes off to piss, I guess. And it's a very, this was so iconic. Like her in like her panties and like his open shirt. You can't really see her breasts, yeah. but she's got this like beautiful hair. She's smoking a joint and Tommy <laughs> comes right up to her and axes the shit out of her. And it was a whole mood. Loved it. it was a whole thing. Sorry, I got to get smarter. Okay. And aside from maybe being a little too skinny, I I was like, oh, this lady has a perfect body. Um, 
So now we go back to the cave, Cindy and Alice. And remember, Alice has that compound fracture, and Cindy's trying to help her with it. Um, Alice is telling Cindy about the visions that she had when she touched the big pulsating blob thing. And she knows that Cindy is going to be killed next. And this was really weird. So Cindy has this MacGyver moment where she decides she's not going to be a Pris. She dumps out her purse. She makes a makeshift splint out of a maxi pad and a, a comb yeah. and pieces of her shirt. She goes with her hand and pushes the bitch's bone back into her leg with her thumb and then bandages it up with this makeshift splint thing. I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah, that was super impressive. I would not have thought of that. Like, I wouldn't have been like, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. I would have been in too much pain, I think. Yes. And while this is going down, Alice opens up that, like, she's tried to kill herself to get out of Shadyside. Like, it's not just Ziggy and her sister that have this, like, feel this oppression from the town, from this curse. It's everyone. And everybody's trying different ways to get out. And I guess Alice tried to kill herself, but it didn't work out. So Shadyside sucks for everybody. Nick continues to find campers in the woods, tells them to go to the mess hall. The Sunnyvale gel is still full of kids, right? They think Capture the mm-hmm. Flag is still going on. They're in this, like... Um, yeah, everyone thinks, yeah, yeah, everyone thinks it's still happening. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of shady side kids in there. Tommy goes in this room and kills literally everybody. I think there were four kids in there. I don't know. Could have been more. Every kid in this jail, he kills. Ziggy makes it back out. Uh... Out, Ziggy makes it to the outhouse. She finds that Sheila's okay, but they fight, and she knocks that bitch out cold. I mean, real good. Good job, Ziggy. Mm -hmm. Another counselor shows up to ask what's going on when they hear yelling, and it's Alice and Cindy, because the cave that they have been walking leads to the outhouse. And I thought of you here, Danielle, in the staff infection speech from It!, because they are down where everybody poops. And my guess is that they will have to be like hoisted up through the poop holes of the outhouse. Yeah. I hate I pretty much hated every moment. I'm I'm really like I'm like I think we talked about this before, who we are in it. And I am most certainly that kid and Richie. Like I am a mix of those those two. And that part of me is the germaphobed kid for sure when he's talking about the water and the rib and the thing. <laughs> well, like, nope. germs aside, nobody would want to come up through poop. Like no one, no one wants no. that. And it's gross. <laughs> you can tell there's poop everywhere. Like they just don't even bat an eye though. They They're just really like, okay. Don't. They're like, yeah, pull me up through the poop. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder if there's another way. Like, can we keep walking? Let's give I'm it like, another I'm five good minutes. Here. I'm good here. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. That was bad. <laughs> just let me go. Nope. Pass. It's, yeah, I, I honestly, yeah. I'd probably have a moment where I'd be like, would it be so bad to die down here? <laughs> um, Maybe you can come back as a cool 
bitch. I don't know. Are there other options available to me? But here we go. So they, and they haven't, here's the thing I don't get. Like, these outhouses are like boards with a hole cut in them, right? You sit on the hole to poop. And they put the bucket with the rope down in the hole. Now, me personally, I would have been thinking ahead of the situation and been like, huh, that person's not going to fit through this hole. Maybe I should take some boards off first. Um, But that did not happen. They put it right in the hole, I guess. and, And Alice gets in, they start kind of hoisting her up. So they're pulling, they're trying to get her up. And it's Ziggy and this other counselor up top. They're pulling Alice up in the bucket. And as they're doing this, Tommy walks in and straight up chops the other counselor's head off. That was good. It was good. It was so good. They they drop Alice's ass. um, And God knows how far she fell. And then the cat back into the poop. And she has an open wound. Um, (laughs) And it's in the poop. And it's in the poop. And the counselor's body falls through on top of her. (laughs) So Alice is having a really bad day, okay? Her boyfriend was axe murdered (laughs) in the face in front of her. Um, She gets trapped in a cave. She gets a compound fracture. She gets hoisted up through poop, falls back down through poop, and then this headless guy like rains from the sky and falls on her as well. Um, Oh, Alice. Uh, So this other counselor is down. He's dead. He's gone. Goodbye. So Ziggy is now duking it out with Tommy. She kind of dodges his axe blows and she ends up running out of the outhouse, right? And she runs right into Nick and they go and hide in the science lab area. They see that the campers that were left that were in the mess hall, they're getting on the bus and they're getting the fuck out of there. Nick is saying that he's going to get Ziggy on the bus too. Ziggy realizes uh, he's going to get Ziggy on the bus too. He wants to get her out of danger. And Ziggy realizes that Tommy is only killing the kids from Shady Side. Did you put that together? Not at first. I didn't. It took me a minute. I didn't have yeah, it put no. together, but when she said it, I was like, you know what? He is only killing the kids from Shady Side. Which is weird. Yeah. Like, why? The Sunnyvale kids are completely untouched. It explains why he doesn't go after Sheila. In the bathroom, even though she's knocked out, he could have axed her ass. Like, he walked right past her. Um, So, yeah, he's only killing shady side kids. And Ziggy and Nick are about to make a run for it. When Tommy breaks into the science room. So they're hiding from Tommy. Tommy breaks a snake cage or a cage with a snake in it for some reason. And Ziggy hates snakes. And, of course, the snake is, like, crawling on her, and she's trying not to scream about it. And I thought this was so good. So we're focused on this snake, and Tommy pulls her by her hair out of her hiding place. And he goes up for, like, an axe blow that's seriously going to kill her. And Nick, at the last minute, pushes her out of the way. And he takes that axe to the back of the leg. It looks like it hurts. Oh, yes. Um, 
But Nick is from Sunnyvale, so Tommy ignores him, and he runs out of the cabin after Ziggy. So Alice and Cindy think that they might be able to get out of the tunnels if they go through the mess hall. I can't remember how they put this all together, but from the map, they can discern that they're probably somewhere near the mess hall. So Alice tells Cindy, you know, go on without me. I'll be right behind you. Um, and I think it's mostly because she saw that Cindy was going to die. So she probably doesn't want to hang out mm -hmm. with her anymore because <laughs> she also doesn't yeah, want to die. Not. So Alice is sitting on this in this cave and then she's reading the research notebook and she discovers something. She starts pulling out this like pile of moss, right? That this red moss that grows everywhere. It's what they were trying to clean from the outhouse. And it cuts away from her, right? Now we're back on Ziggy. She's being chased through camp. She puts a song on the radio, I guess, to distract Tommy, and it's that Kansas song again. And every time I hear Kansas, I think of Hedwig and the Angry Inch when <laughs> when he's, like, playing the songs for her, and she's, like, travel exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time. Uh, but while the song is going on, Cindy is under a grate in the mess hall, and she's, like, trying to break through it. She's, like, kicking it. She's, like, trying to get it through so she can get to her sister, who Tommy is stalking through the mess hall. And this is so great. Tommy has a shining moment, right? Because she, she goes into the pantry and, like, locks herself in, and he acts his way through the door um, yes. to get to her. And she tries to sneak up on him and stab him. And when she does, she hits him square in the chest with this, like, huge knife. But it is zero damage. Like, no effect. He doesn't care that she's just stabbed him. And he starts to, like, choke her out. And the whole time, Cindy's still trying to break through this gate in the floor. And Ziggy reaches up and pulls a burlap bag off of the pantry shelf and pulls it over Tommy's head. And it works for a second. Like, like he gets distracted. So she's like, hell yeah. So she starts, like, trying to strangle him with this bag. She's pulling it really tightly over his face. Um, but he, mm -hmm. he kind of bucks her off. And then there is this badass moment where... Tommy has this slow stand-up, and he's still got the bag over his head, and we realize that Tommy is a scarecrow monster from the first book, mm -hmm. or from the first movie, and it was awesome. Yes. I loved it. Very good. So good. It was just like a ba da ba ba and he stood up. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So he chases her. He's going to kill her again. Cindy comes up behind Tommy and stabs him. A lot. And for some reason, it works for her. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then Tommy falls over. Cindy and Ziggy have a talk about how everything is cursed and that Cindy needs to stop trying to be so perfect. They decide life sucks, but that they love each other. And they're going to stick together from now on. It's all Aww. very touching. But again, there's too much of this movie left and we all know better. Um, they hear sounds coming from the grate and that's, that Cindy came out of and it's Alice. She has just crawled up through the hole too. Um, but they have all turned their backs on Tommy. Guys, at least kick the axe away from him. Right. They've never watched a horror movie before. Ever. Um, 
So Alice just announces, you know, she has found Seraphir's lost hand. She found it under that moss that she was digging through. Isn't that coincidental that she sat right by the pile of moss where the hand was? Weird. Isn't it? Uh, Isn't it? Of all the moss in the poop room, that was the correct (laughs) moss. Um, Not the poop, but the the moss. moss. (laughs) And she pulls this hand out of her bag. So Cindy, Alice, and Ziggy, they're all going to go to the hanging tree. They're going to find Seraphir's bones. They're going to put her hand back with her body and break the curse for all of Shadyside, right? So now we are on a very altruistic, like, mission, okay? Yes. They also figure out that when someone gets a nosebleed, Seraphir is near, and if everyone will remember, we talked about this in our episode where we covered the first movie. So right after we learned this nosebleed information, Ziggy has a nosebleed right on top of this hand. And she has this vision. And when she pulls out this vision, they're like, well, what did you see? And she says, well, I saw Sarah Fear. And she looks pissed. So now we are a little bit more amped to go. Okay, time to go. Time to go put this hand back where it should be. And then it cuts back to that big pulsing blob thing in the cave. Right. And it starts to break off and a person is coming out of the goop, right? Just like the bathroom scene in the first movie. So we can assume that... One or more monsters are being birthed from this pulsing blob thing. Yeah. Also, Tommy's twitching over there in the corner while they're looking for a (laughs) shovel and getting ready to leave. And Alice makes a speech about wanting to go. She wants to go. She wants to end the curse. And, of course, she gets axed mid-speech, right? It's amazing. It was good. It was good. Cindy grows some big old lady balls and she cuts Tommy's head off almost all the way, right? Like she hacks his head until it almost all the way comes off. Alice dies and they hear singing coming from the hole in the floor where the grate is. And it's our girl, Ruby Lane, singing that same old song Mm -hmm. and coming at them with the razor. And all the monsters are here now because as she exits the hole, you can see that there's more of them coming out after her. We're even getting some that we that didn't really see cool. in the first one. Yeah, I'm bummed because I'm like, are you going to show them again or this is it? Like, we're never going to see them I don't again. know if we're going to get to see them again. They went through it a little bit in the history of all the killers of the first book. But we didn't, like, we didn't get the kid. We didn't get the old yeah. man thing. Like... I don't know. There's some cool nut ones in there. There were. And it seemed like kind of a parade of monsters. That was a cool scene. Mm-hmm. They hustle to the hanging tree where they think Sarah Fear's body is burned. All the monsters are coming out of the tree line and they're slow walking towards them. And they dig fast, right? They dig up a stone that says Sarah Fear lives. But no body. And now they need a new plan. So they run. Problem is, they are surrounded. Cindy starts screaming, right? She's having that, I know what you did last summer moment, where she's like, what do you want? Sarah, what do you want? (laughs) 
She's like, you can have your hand. Don't kill my sister. Just don't kill my sister. And she tells Ziggy to run. Just run. She bled on the hand, so the monsters are after her. Okay, Cindy, did you just make that up? Because no one said that. Um, Because this whole movie, as long as you're from Shadyside, you're a mark. I don't think it much matters. Cindy and Ziggy both fight the monsters and lose. Cindy is chopped up by Tommy, and Ziggy takes a knife to the stomach. Like a lot. A lot. They they just kept, like, stabbing and chopping and stabbing and chopping, and it goes on for, like, a lot. five minutes. And I was like... It was it is a lot. Uh, <laughs> It was impactful. Like, I understand why. Yeah. But, like, we because we know she survives. And at some point, I'm like, uh, is he going to stop stabbing her? (laughs) I don't, I don't know what's, dude, (laughs) I think you got it. It's very thorough. Did I lose you? Yeah, it was a lot. Okay, cool. Um, So as they're dying, it's this like really touching thing where they're laying on the ground and they kind of just reach out towards each other when they finally die. And I wrote here, there's no fucking way that you could survive that. Um, Nick reaches Ziggy's body and he starts to CPR. Dude, she was just stabbed 20 times. You feel like you're pumping that blood out of her body? didn't make any sense either because there yeah that doesn't work like medically it doesn't work no it doesn't it sure doesn't and even if we're trying to say like it was a miracle or something or is important for her to like i feel like he would have just made that situation worse um but anyways so nick is trying to save ziggy he really likes her i guess she gets revived, and we learn that her real name is Christine. Okay. And now mm-hmm. we're back. Which I still don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> C. Bremen. Christine Bremen. So now we're back in the present. Nothing's easy. She told everyone the story. But we also learned that Nick didn't believe her. That it was the fear witch that had possessed Tommy that like Nick still would not get on board with what was happening. He never agreed that it was only shady side ears dying. He thought that like, this is, you know, he's big man in charge. You know, these are people that have just gone crazy, but he has also got enough like wherewithal to understand that he can't really be connected to this and he can't be connected to the story that she's telling. So, like, in the last scene where she's taken away in an ambulance, they're, you know, the cops are like, what happened? And he's like, oh, somebody went crazy and killed all these people. And she's he said something about Mm -hmm. Ziggy. And Nick refers to her as, like, shady side trash, right? So, in the Mm -hmm. end, Nick, Nick couldn't be there for her. Like, he couldn't be a part of her world, even though he liked her. 
yeah. which was kind of disappointing. Right. Um, but she felt betrayed. So no. naturally, you know, our girl doesn't put up with a lot of shit. And she doesn't talk to him after that. Right. Because fuck him. And mm-hmm. she's like, I hope you guys understand. The reason I told you the story is that there's no end we tried to break the curse. There's no way to break the curse. It's not possible. We never found her body. But then Dina tells her that they did find her body. They found her body and all they need is the hand. Does she know where the hand is? They can bring them together and they get in the curse for real. Mm-hmm. And they ask if the hand is still buried under the hanging tree and if Camp Nightwing was still there. And Diane, Danielle, would you like to tell everybody what happened to Camp Nightwing? Oh, it became the mall. And remember that big tree you talked about in the the last episode? For some reason, let's talk about this. For some reason, the town planners were like, people, we're going to build this mall and we're going to leave this tree in it that we thought was cool. But you know what? It's also called the hanging tree. And people fucking were hung whatever hanged from this tree and we're going to leave it in the mall. Just going to leave it here. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nothing will ever go wrong ever. We're going to break, enjoy the tree, break ground around the tree, around the tree. (laughs) Do not disturb the tree in any way. Um, (laughs) You know, all the steel will be erected around the tree. Because when they around go to it. the mall and dig around the base of the tree, the hand is still there. So now we have the hand. Somehow. Somehow. And we know where the bones are. And I love that they that they included the red moss. They did. Also. Yes. They brought, they brought that with them. It looked decorative <laughs> in the mall. the mall. It didn't look like poop it moss. It did. It looked just like regular <laughs> moss. Um. Like, like this tank moss, you know, right. like, oh, it's pretty. Like, just, yeah. So the next scene is. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, Danielle, you specifically mentioned the tree. <laughs> I mean, the tree is very like, boom, there's a tree in the mall. It's kind of different, you know? So I was like, a tree. But I mean, the spooky bitch in me loves it. But I'm also like, you guys are so dumb. Why would you build a mall around a hanging tree? Seriously. <laughs> like, why? So the next scene is Dina and Josh, and they are digging up the hand. We already talked about that. Uh, while this is going on, Christine slash Ziggy, who's an adult because we're in the present now, calls up Nick, who is now the sheriff, um, and then he gets the he gets word from the station to to go over to her house, and he doesn't hesitate. He like he flips a bitch, and he turns on his cop lights. She's finally reaching out to him. He's gonna go. And see her. And I wonder if we're going to come full circle with this, like, romantic moment. Who knows? Um, I don't don't want them to get back together. uh, He's a jerk. He is. He is. He also was a kid, though. Right. I mean... He was a kid coming out of a traumatic situation. I feel like... You're too nice to be a 
I feel like I could have some sympathy for him. I wanted him to be true blue just as much as you did. But like at the same time, when you're 17 and you have a choice to not be a part of this, he opted out. So we'll see. We'll see how he acts now. Um, and, and I also wrote, they never explained the clocks. We need an explanation about these clocks. Um, they never explain they it. They never do. Deanna and Josh take the hand out to the woods and she puts Seraphir's hand with her body and Dina gets sucked into the past. And we see very briefly that she is actually in Seraphir's body. Dina doesn't look like Dina to anyone else. She's actually Seraphir. And then we get the to be mm-hmm. continued text. Um, after that, there's a preview <laughs> for the next movie. And everyone is there. It's kind of a long all the kids will play a part mm-hmm. in the next one. Dead or not, they are there. Yeah, everybody's yeah. there. So reunion. That's how it <laughs> ends. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thoughts. Thoughts. Break it down, Danielle. So <laughs> I'm extreme. Like I'm extremely biased. To this genre, because as we have talked about before, Jason is my favorite and my love of the big three of horror. So I'm super biased. So we'll start off with that. And because of my bias, I went into this one excited, but also sort of like, I think I'm going to do things stupid and like, you know, kind of make me annoyed. But... I loved it from beginning to end. It was fantastic. It blew the first one out of the water. The first one was fun, but I had a lot of problems with it. And like I mentioned earlier, I don't see myself returning to watch the first one. Like maybe in Halloween time, if I want to watch all three again, you know, something like that. But when I just put stuff on when I'm working or doing stuff, I wouldn't go to it. Whereas this one I would go to as like, I want to watch this in the background for sure. Because the kids were great. Story was great. It took everything about that cheesy genre and that I love and used it, but in a good way. Like even the gratuitous sex was purposeful because in all of those slasher camp movies, it's gratuitous. It's boobs everywhere and it's stupid and it's in your face. And they did it again. And they, so they used all those tropes in a really, in really cool ways. And I think my biggest gripe with it was that I wish Tommy was a little bit more menacing. Like he was good. I thought his kills were really good. I enjoyed them in terms of just kill count and all that stuff. And I think he was more menacing once he got the burlap. That definitely helped. I just wish like they had disfigured his face a little more or gave him the the burlap earlier just to kind of make him a little bit more menacing than just I'm a guy in a jacket with a axe, you know, but it made sense for the story. So I got it and 10 out of 10 loved it. I think they fixed their problems with the music in this one. They didn't just do the music after music after music. The music was more intentional this time, which I liked. It almost felt like they learned their lessons from the first one and fixed them, even though that's not possible because they were all filmed like really close together. But um, I I think this will be my favorite of the three. I'm sure it will just because I'm super biased about it. But 
if you if you're not gonna if you're coming in and I don't know why I'm listening to this, but if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to watch these movies because I don't care about these books, just watch this one. You don't need to care about the first one. You don't need to care about the third one. Just watch this one because it's solid back to front. Just a good camp slasher movie. And they give you the bookends that you need to kind of get the Sarah Fear story that you don't need that first one. And that and the ending is the bookend to say, if you want to watch the third one, here it is, but you don't need to because this closes the chapter really well. And it felt really Fear Street because you had more cute guys in this one. You had pretty girls and nerdy girls and kind of rocker girls. And, you know, it felt it felt really Fear Street more so than the first one, I thought for sure. But so, yes, 10 out of 10, two thumbs way up. Two snaps <clears throat> up. Um, yeah, I it's hard for me to compare these movies i i'm hearing a lot of people saying oh this one was my favorite this one was better because i don't i don't feel like we're comparing apples to apples here um Mm -hmm. i feel like they made a choice to lean way in to whatever vibe they were going for okay in our first movie, we had this like hardcore scream vibe. We had this 90s thing happening. Um, and it was true to that. We knew where we were going. It was yeah. cohesive. Um, in this movie, we had this camp slasher 70s thing going on. And it was true to that. It was cohesive. But at the same time, we were able to kind of knit it together at the ends um, with these different plot points, right? Um, I did like it. I liked it a lot. I would like to watch it again when I'm not taking notes because I'm sure it's it's much better because it is it does move so quickly and through so many different plot lines that are happening at the same time um, that it's very distracting if you're trying to keep track of that in a way where you have to relay it to other people. So I do want to watch it again to give it a give it another chance. I I don't mind the Friday the Thirteenth movies. They they weren't my favorite because everybody you know, connects to different things when they're little, like we get traumatized by certain movies. I was more traumatized by the, <laughs> by the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street thing. Um, so, so yeah, but I, I still watched all those camp slashers though. And you're right. Everything was true to that. I really liked our backstory. I liked how we got these cute connections here and there, how we felt like all these things were kind of clicking into place and making sense. Um, from a costume perspective, oh my gosh, again, so good. It's, it doesn't feel like they're wearing costumes. It feels like that's the shit that people wore. I loved Cindy's combo with the little polo and the little belt and the high-waisted shorts. Like that is thousand percent accurate. Um, I thought we had better characters in this movie. Yeah. Um, Agreed. The characters that we had in the first movie, we liked for different kind of floofy reasons, but we don't get a ton of backstory about anyone, really. We understand that their relationships to each other, but no no one character do we deep dive into their past or background or what's going on with them. And we got more substance from these characters because we had a better understanding of who they were, 
where they were coming from, what was going on in their lives, and why they were reacting to people in the way that they were. And that in itself pushed it a little bit ahead of the first movie for me. Um, because when we're more invested in people, the kills are scarier, right? Um, I agree with you. I think we could have done yeah. something with Tommy. Like we could have maybe blacked out his eyes or um, mm-hmm. done something to let us know that he was, you know, became this monster or whatever. Um, so, yeah. yes. So I enjoyed that part of it. I, I thought yeah, the kills were great. Yeah, making him a little. Yeah, I wanted him to be a little scarier. more scary. But he wasn't really mm-hmm. our main concern during this time. No. We were more focused on the mystery than we were okay. the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the, the effects were so well done. I thought the makeup was so well done. Um, I was really, really impressed by that. And the, they got the feel of camp right, you know? Um, all this yeah. bullshit crafts and the mess hall and the, all that stuff. I didn't want to go. Yeah, like they, they got the <laughs> feel of camp right. Um, and it was scary that shit at the end with all the monsters coming out and then they're coming into the circle and she gets stabbed for like five minutes. Like that is weird. I didn't even talk about how good that scene was. I I missed. It was, it was amazing. It was was amazing. It was like, um, you know, we're under this big giant tree and we're, you know, they're just coming out of it and they're slow walking, right? They're pimp walking. No one's running at these Mm -hmm. girls trying to get them. And that makes it worse. Um, so I thought that was great. Yeah. Again, we already talked about the unbelievable moments. I know that you have a thing about Nick. I feel like Nick made a mistake. I'm interested to see what happens between the two of them. But because of Nick's mistake, I feel like that means he's probably going to die. I'm just not. I just, I mean, I don't know what it, it's, you know, maybe it's the Libra in me. I'm like. It's, I'm the justice and I just want as people like that. I just, I don't have, I don't have sympathy. I'm like, no, you're done. Like you're done. You fucked up. And I know he's a kid, but at the same time, he's still fucked up. And now that poor girl is like fucked in the head. And like, he could have reached out to her over the course of the years. Like they're old now, like not old, but they're older. Like he could have reached out to her. He could have tried. And it seems like they never connected so that's that's it for me. I'm just like, nope. Hmm. Nope. But overall, I feel like I'm um I feel like I'm an eight out of ten. Overall. Eight out of ten. I'm an eight out of ten. I do I, I do think that it is slightly better than the first movie, but not so much enough to give it another point. Um but like I mm-hmm. said, for me it's it's hard to compare the two. Because I think that they they leaned hard into what they were and, and they did well both times. Um, so yes, I was happy with it. If I had one complaint, I would maybe want to see a little more humor. I feel like that was maybe missing. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Cause think about the, the movies that we love that are very scary, but also have these like moments that are funny. And we just didn't get a lot of, like, yeah. funny moments. I know it's not a comedy and that's a bullshit yeah. thing. But if I had to pick something, <laughs> that's probably, like, I, I mm-hmm. would I would want a little more humor. 
in the first one, there was a little bit more brevity and yeah, yeah. there was more humor. Yeah. So I, I could see that. Yeah, but eight out of ten for me. There was there was not much in this one. Yeah. So what do you what are your predictions? Do you think that you're gonna like the third one? Because all I'm hearing from people is that the third one is shit. That's I mean, it's hard because that's what I'm hearing too. And of course I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> like I start just you get that you get that sort of like prejudgment, like, okay, well, it's probably gonna suck, you know. I I'm not sure. I mean, it's so hard because the witch thing is so done and done and done. And is it ever done that great? Few and far between. So we'll see. I mean, if they, I hope they, I hope they up the gore in it because there's so much they could do in terms of like goriness for that time period. So I hope they ramp up that. That would be cool. I wish I like that. I wish they hadn't but done the witch thing. We'll like to be totally honest, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember the sagas, but I I remember from what we've read, from what we've covered so far. Um, you know, the story is that Simon Fear and his wife were rich, and they had these little girls that um, died mysteriously in the woods, and like, and then they killed people. They were serial killers together, almost in like a. Like a like I I think I wish we'd done that instead. I wish we'd done like a lush, rich, period serial killer thing in kind of a crimson mm-hmm. peak sort of a way. Like, um, mm-hmm. because you're right. The wit the witch thing has been done to death. To death. To death. To death. Well, yeah, and it, you know, like I said, it's never done that amazing so it's it's hard it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one I mean I hope I'm hoping there are good pieces of it I I'm hopeful we'll see we'll see <laughs> this is a long one so think, we better I think we better wrap it up um so yeah this is very um kind of casual little reviews that we do on these movies it's not we don't put into it what we normally put into our episode but we appreciate you coming along with us and listening to me ramble out a plot of a two-hour movie um (laughs) but that's the only way to talk about each little bit Uh, i don't know another way to do it you guys i'm sorry we love and appreciate you and we hope that you enjoy yes weird ass review we hope so because you're getting one more um so yeah so we'll give everybody plenty of time Huh? Yeah, one more. So they get one more. Woo! Woo! So we'll give everybody plenty of time, hopefully, to uh, watch that third one, and then that will be the end of our short career as movie reviewers, unless, of course, they make more, which they're already threatening. And if they do, we'll cover it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye! Bye! <laughs>